this is Lama Tantrapa, and I want to thank you for your interest in the secrets of Qigong Masters. You are at the right place if you want to learn from some of the best experts in our field how to tap into the energy resources that will help you achieve greater vitality, personal power, improve the quality of your life, and experience self-realization. I encourage you to dive deeper into these teachings by exploring the additional resources provided by this and other amazing guests of our show. Please visit QigongMasters.com where you'll find a treasure trove of information and materials dedicated to empowering you to live your dreams. Today, I'm delighted to introduce to you Marisa Vaca from Rome, Italy. Thank you, Marisa, for joining us. And I want uh, to thank you for taking your time to come all the way across the globe to our congress here. I got you, Sislava, for you. My passion, so I just traveled to meet all the other operators around the world, and I joined this congress in San Francisco from 2008. Every time, and it's a pleasure to meet. Fantastic, fantastic, and we've met numerous times at the world congresses in the past. So now I'm really happy to actually take an opportunity to interview you, and you are one of the few people I know personally from Italy who teaches Qigong. I'm sure there are some other teachers, aren't there? Yes, there are a lot of teachers and a lot of uh, school, mm. uh, but most of the schools are other uh, Chinese medicine schools, so they teach mostly acupuncture, um, or otherwise the um, martial arts school. They just teach a little bit of Qigong in their own courses. Um, what is um, different from my job is that I uh, put in my attention and I study and research uh, directly Qigong and I open a, a Qigong organization just for research and professional courses in Qigong, in, in particular medical Qigong. I'm trying to bring Qigong in the public organizations and like public health organizations as the world for medical children. Amazing. Well, this is something that uh, I'm sure you will tell us more about. But before that, maybe you can share with us a little bit about yourself. How did you come across uh, the energy arts and when did you start practicing? Um, actually, I started practicing when I was a child because my mother was working already in uh, energy healing. Uh, planet healing, we used to call it at that time. Sure. And so I started healing energy and playing with energy, not even working uh, with her, just fun. And then uh, healing the energy of plants or animals or other people. And then starting like a, not only daughter, but a disciple of my mother to work on white sheet treatment. It was not called Qigong at the time because I didn't know Qigong. But well, what was that? was uh, in the beginning of the 80s. I was 10, 12 years old the first time I came across the, the Qi, the energy. Mm. And so that just uh, gave a direction to my life because I was so interested that I started practicing, practicing meditation, uh, inner meditation, and then I met Tibetan meditation. So I started with the Tibetan side of the healing world and uh, as I was as a child I was describing like 
just traveling without the body and so feeling just going out the body and traveling and it was a, a way for me in the time I used to call I leave my uh, pee, my body and just travel. Ah. So that was big experiences but nobody could understand that side of family. So doctors tried to kill me or try to just make me stay in my in the body in some sense they were afraid for me. Oh that's hilarious. It's yeah. in a sense it's like uh, when people are trying to learn how to do astral travel, yes, yes, they were actually trying to stop you from doing that. They tried to stop me because they didn't know the, the why I was doing it and what was it. And so it's something that is others consider extraordinary, always consider <laughs> abnormal, so or sick. So then I just started reading a lot about uh, Oriental culture because I was uh, looking for conference and, and finding conference in Oriental culture. Mm. And then when I got to university in 88, I met Chidun the first time with a master that was coming from China to Italy to teach. And consequently, I started studying Oriental language at the university. Which language did you study? My first language is Chinese, and then Japanese and Tibetan were the others. Oh, wonderful. And uh, so I um, got my degree in the Chinese language, was my first, and I lived, lived in China for a long time. Mm. And so in 93, I found a master, and this master found me. They made us meet because the other teachers I was studying in Chinese with a new man just in China. And so they just told me that there was a very good master that was uh, available to teach to me. Also, if I was a woman, and even if I was also if, uh, um, um, being a foreigner, he would accept me. So, so I had this great honor to be accepted as disciple from this master and accepted uh, practicing with him before going to lesson in the morning and then after lunchtime and then in the evening just falling and feeling, feeling the ways through the practice and then in the end I just stopped the lesson and practiced mm. Chinese while I was doing the lessons. Who was that master? The name is Yang Yijun but he's not a famous master, he's just like a seventh father for me and he's a person that motivated me because he told me after one year or two years that I was practicing with him, that he actually started practicing children when she was dying for cancer at the age of 38 years old. Mm. Had a stomach cancer, and at the thir third uh, operation, chirurgical operation, they just told me told him there was nothing to do and he was going to die. So he just started practicing motivation, meditation, and then out the hospital and started looking for masters and practicing children and mm -hmm. he's today 87 years old and so that's a pretty significant longevity for anybody yeah. not even speaking of cancer survivors yes <laughs> and speaking about i'm talking about a person that lost two brothers for hunger and a very poor family and all the Cultural revolution and the war before, and he was a soldier with a, in the long march when he was 14 years old. So it was wow. a, a really long life, and he's really a seventh father for me. And I got the present for him that was a, his biography, the 
Christian background, one of the Canary Queens, and they hadn't died in all she as they used to do at the time. Old school. Oh, old school. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Well, and so your studies in Qigong obviously started with him. What style of that um, uh, did the teacher taught you? Um, mainly Buddhist and medical Qigong. Um, uh-huh. um, but he didn't used to divide the techniques in schools or follow just one. Mm. Because as I said before, his goal when he started to practice Qigong was to recover and to uh, survive at the beginning. So I was just using and practicing what was uh, had be, uh, deep effects in himself. Then he teaching to me, he tried to give me uh, um, an education, a uh, comprehensive education about what was Taoist, what was Buddhist, what was medical. Uh, but uh, first, um, the first techniques that he taught me was Kunjing uh, Gong. Uh, I don't know if you know it, but it's not so famous all around. What does it mean? Literally, is the Qigong, the Gong, the technique on Kunjing, on the empty force. And it's a, pra- uh, a very static Qigong, originated in the Buddhist uh, culture, Buddhist traditions. Right. And it's started working on a particular position with a few claws like you found in martial arts. Pigeon toe. Pigeon? Yeah. Huh? yeah, the pigeon toe. Yeah, they call it uh, the position of uh, eight. Eight yes. position. Because yeah, because eight is, eight is yeah, yeah, it's like number eight is. And then you work on stretching the meridians with your fingers or through different movements with the hands, but it's very, very static. Huh. And it works on systems. So, um, uh, Organs and meridians, and we have techniques that work on meridians, but we have techniques that work directly on organs or um, systems in the body. Sure. Um, but it's very internal and, and meditative. We have some visualization also. Uh, so it's for two to one. It's the first. Specific breathing practice? Yes, breathing was adapted to the position, but was not a particular. Um, attention to the Buddhist techniques in Kunjingong. It's more energetical, mechanic positions that make you in the, uh, in the circulation and in the world. So. Okay. And since then, uh, did you embark on learning any other style of Qigong? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Then Can you the share with us? Qigong, the Guolin uh, Qigong, and then Fagenjin, uh, uh, all the five animals and a lot of them. And another big system of Qigong that is called Wuming Qigong, uh, Wuming Gong, that literally means Qigong without name. So it's all the techniques that has, have goals, specific effects or uh, results, but they are not uh, included in any particular school in all the old traditions. How interesting. So that's specifically for medical purposes, or yes, the techniques for all medical and meditative purpose. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, and then I met 
mogu ja da smastam so after that was so passionate to one in one in one set kitchen they must must tear because they are like follow this master for one year and then went back home and back home uh, uh, the circumstances just took me to teach because it was not a job for me my 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 father had a cancer and so to help him i just put together some friends and start teaching um, so I could help him without saying that was something specific and everything just for him to so support the theatres but then it became a work because everybody was starting talking to friends or the people and then you know chatting chatting the classes the word of mouth yes yeah. <laughs> and so it became a full-time job and work and now it's 24 years already almost 24 years Wonderful. And so, uh, does your school have any particular curriculum or offer specific programs dedicated My to My school, <laughs> yes. So, I mean, uh, first of all, it's not a real school. I never uh, really opened a school. I, I, what I, I created was an organization that was called Noida uh, the Inner Way. And it's uh, an organization that open to all different styles and different techniques so that we um, try to prepare the practitioner uh, to to be already from the beginning uh, open to all the masters instead of just following one. And I'm one, of course. I'm the, the, the responsible of the organization and the teacher in the organization, but. Uh, invite or just meet other masters that can teach together with me different techniques when they specialize in. And another purpose besides uh, preparing other operators, because I also form all children operators in Italy, but one another purpose is entering contact with all the other organizations around the world. That's why I travel a lot in Chile, San Francisco, and China for the um, official in uh, America Children Congress in Japan and the uh, organization of Chinsigen that you also know. Right. And, uh, and in Italy with the others, uh, masters. And it's probably more difficult to meet and to enter in contact with, with other teachers locally in Italy because, as Effie was saying also here, it's difficult not to enter in competition one with the other and to. Uh, meet and create a group of work. Collaboration. Collaboration with the others. Right. Well, this is definitely something that uh, I experienced when I was on the board of directors of National Qigong Association, working with Epi Chow, uh, my own organization. Uh, I actually started probably the first ever uh, mastermind group of Qigong masters. So basically what we did is bring together a number of masters who were interested in collaboration more than competition. And I was surprised at first that there were actually so many who would rather compete. Yes. But they say, well, I practice my Qigong. Yes. And this is a good Qigong style. Yes. This is the right one. I wouldn't be doing this. This, this is it. This is this is the, the one that I really think is right. Yeah. Well, then by definition, others are not right. Yes, <laughs> so that means 
creates a, a sense of not only competitiveness, but some kind of prejudice. And uh, I would like to explore with you, if you don't mind, ways to overcome that. Because I certainly see the value in collaboration much more than competition. Not, um, not that I'm against competition. I think competition is a healthy process, but not all by itself. There has yeah. to be also some degree of I think when it is an open mind competition, it's even a stimulation to get better. Right. But uh, most of the times, as you said, most of the times I used to uh, receive messages like, my master is better than yours, my master is more famous, and for who's your master is famous than yours, so why he doesn't come to Italy or go abroad? Or, right. uh, or I mean, uh, it's, it's the same, it's always the same. My master said that I don't have to follow anybody else, because a lot of masters think and believe that you have to practice only one technique uh, to become, which is true, in China they do, to become master in that technique. But if, uh, like for me, the goal is uh, health and is um, medical, I mean, uh, we can't even say medical in Italy, but it's healthy and therapeutic, or, yeah, yeah. Uh, you just want to get better, mm -hmm. whatever the tools are, and you want to share with the others to help more people if possible. But it's not always like this. And uh, if you work next to somebody else, they probably feel even more the, the competition. Uh, uh, in fact, I found very easier to cooperate with people around the world than in Rome. How fascinating. Well, the, the old saying goes that uh, there is no profit uh, in your own hometown. <laughs> so. The definition of a master is somebody from outside of, uh, of your vicinity. Now, I also... And also, it's, it's a, a rare uh, work till now. No? I mean, it's something that not a lot of people do. So, mm -hmm. the risk is that somebody that study and practice uh, uh, in their energy field, mm -hmm. they think themselves um, already on another level. Right. And so this is a natural but sad separation from the others because okay. they tend to put themselves on another level. That's what they call spiritual arrogance. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> and that's that's has the opposite uh, effect in the end no? because you can't share, you can't open, you can't bring care to communicate with the others. For sure. Well, you know what I I came up with to solve this situation, I created the profession called Qigong Coaching, which can work with any style. Yeah. But instead of downloading information or teaching the person certain techniques or forms, it involves testing the principles, understanding what works and what doesn't work, yeah. and then applying what works so that you get the best result possible. That eliminates the issue of which style is better or whose master is more famous. 
It's just a matter of what works for this particular person yes. at this particular time. Yes. And it creates a sense of authenticity and also sense of much more, much greater trust in Qigong in general because you're no longer just operating on the basis of faith. Oh, the master told me I, I yes. have to believe that. It's much more pragmatic and, and evidence-based. Yes. And this is why uh, in uh, 2010, I opened a, a Maybell organization mm -hmm. and I started inviting somebody from out, outside that um, environment, the Italian environment. Mm -hmm. And to also to give uh, awareness to the people who was practicing that there was behind, there was a science, there is a science, there is research, and there is a lot of um, experience back in time and far in, uh, in the space, in, in, in the world. Mm. So in 2010, I organized the first conference where Fucho and Dr. Fucho and Dr. Kevin Chen came to Rome mm. to propose experience and research together in the same weekend. And then uh, uh, I carried on organizing conferences. The second one, there were also Alex Fenn, Dr. Wang Yang, and some other teachers that came right. to Italy for that. And in 2014, there were more than 20 presenters. And in 2015, I got also Italian presenters, which is the best result, <laughs> because it means that they also opening to uh, cooperate with the others, which right. is great. Right. And now it's... Um, now it's different because from the conferences, uh, what I've done during the conferences is organize a round table with Western medical doctors from uh, Italian hospitals and public health organization. And from that, we start a few projects. One in um, coping addiction, uh, helping people that wanted to stop uh, the use of cocaine. And they invited me create some children laboratories together with psychotherapy that they can uh, do in the same time. So there was a, in, in this project, there is still, because we are still following for four years and now, five years, that is the fifth year, uh, there are laboratories where they practice children in the morning and they, they have psychotherapy group in the afternoon. And, and this is free, totally free to, for the patient because it's offered by the public health organization. And they stay there for a few days or a week and they have the practice in the morning and the, the psychotherapy in the afternoon. So they actually stay right there on the premises? Yes, there's a phase of residential phase, they call it, because there is a diagnosis phase, a meeting point, and then they decide what they need, what the patient needs, and they give it this possibility for the residential phase, and they stay inside, they cook for themselves, and they share the experience. And they do different laboratories. Children is one of them, those. Uh, at the beginning, was the idea was just to prove them that they can spend a few days without the use of cocaine and enjoy themselves on the way. And then Chirung uh, was almost refused at the beginning because we're not only spending time together to enjoy, but they start feeling that was a real therapy and was going inside, was deep. So the beginning was difficult for them. It's like going to the doctor instead of playing pool or, or cooking together or something. Now is one of the 
name in a laboratory is because people understand that there's a deep effect in the reason because cocaine, using co uh, people that use cocaine usually are very depressed, weak inside, and so cocaine is something that makes you more stronger. No? Right. So Qigong is perfect to help these kind of people. So you substitute for that kind of artificial strength yes, yes. by creating the inner strength. Yes, trying to find the uh, inner self, yeah, as you said. Um, and this is one of the projects that started just after the conferences in Las Vegas in '92. The second one that started later is in the hospital cancer department, which is the most important for me, and I'm following directly the myself inside the hospital because I, I love this project and I love to work with people that has problems and I, and I love to work with people that will never look for children. Because mm. one thing is to prepare and to guide the practice of people that are doing already a path by themselves. So they looking for something to learn, yoga or what else, meditation. So they already have a level of awareness to practice and to choose and to um, enter in contact with these techniques. But when you work in a hospital and uh, patients need children just because the doctors uh, propose them as integrative technique within the integrative center, medicine, integrative medicine center, it's completely different. Because they will never, they don't know anything about Qigong. They never practiced before. They just have a cancer, and doctors say, "Okay, you do now. You do diet, and then you go for reflexology if you need, and then you go to the Qigong class." So it's a Qigong class. So basically, it's a self-administered uh, practice as opposed to say uh, Wei Qi information. It's uh, both. I mean, I could do both in the hospital. Uh, they offered me a place where to teach, so I have classes of practice, and then I can give treatment and I come to the studio for, so clinic studio, I don't know how you call it in English, for um, receiving private treatment. Mm -hmm. So, um, um, but I think that the effect of, and I was saying somebody else in the comments, because it's, for me it's very interesting, and I'm thinking of doing a research on this. The effect of Qigong on people that will never look for Qigong is at least double. It's immediate and sudden, because it's like working with children. Not aware, not looking for that, just finding themselves in the experience and discover what happens. And maybe at the beginning they even close mind because what's a strange name is Chinese technique, why they do that. But they have the trust in the doctor and they have the fear of the disease, so they accept it. So they open. And the effect is much quicker and sudden. I have two hours with them in the lesson and in two hours with them or with the patients in the cocaine addiction project. They just in suddenly uh, meet and uh, bump in Qigong and something happened and they don't expect it. It's not like students that practice and so they have an expectation or hope or they know something wrong. Mm, I see. Well, that's interesting. So if the person 
has a level of their energy awareness relatively low that just in a, in a short amount of time they bump that level to some degree but, yeah. but for them it's a major leap forward yeah. for somebody who is already at a certain level of development that for them the same step would not constitute such a major improvement. Yeah, it's, it's a less visible effect. I mean, but you could yeah. see from outside, because you see all this tension, mm -hmm. that suddenly release. <laughs> and you see like 10 centimeters uh, shoulders coming down, or I don't know, but it, it's so visible that I could take a picture before and a picture later and see the difference. Fantastic. Well, and uh, also it's very impressive that you actually somehow received uh, uh, hospital privileges. I mean, uh, you have title of a doctor. Are you a medical doctor? Not before. What kind of doctor? No. And before, for years, that was my problem. Oh. I tried an identity in, uh, in uh, medical school. I tried to think maybe I have to study medicine, maybe I have to study, because I would just study, uh, officially just studied Oriental languages. Mm -hmm. So I, I didn't have any. Um, I don't, I'm not physiotherapist, I'm not doctor, I'm not physician, anything, nurse, anything. So when uh, um, I start cooperating with these doctors, it's because I pushed for years on the idea that uh, it's better to be good in one thing instead of trying to do a lot of things, but just for the papers, not just for what we have to do. The jack of all trades, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Master of none. Uh, yes. Um, so, um, it was hard for the first years, uh, really hard, to be, to feel sure enough and to feel, how do you say, self-esteem, uh, self no? to have the confidence to propose something in the medical um, field. Right. But then it came. It came by itself after the conferences. So. I really have to thank that uh, the, all the job, uh, work I've done in uh, organizing the conferences because my goal was just to present the big studies in Qigong to my students. And instead, something else came. And this is, for example, for cancer, is in one of the biggest hospitals, and it's the Catholic hospital where the Pope was killed, who is famous around just from there, from around outside Italy. General Hospital and, and uh, so means it's, it's outside Rome it's famous just because the Pope Giovanni Paolo II II was inside there for a long time before he died mm. but uh, in Rome is one of the more conservative hospitals this is what I want to say so to be there with Chirum in a department that is integrative medicine department of on working on cancer, in particular breast cancer, for me is a huge result because I'm not only um, entering the medical uh, uh, field, but also uh, opening the resistance of the uh, Catholic doctors, oh which is in, Italy, <laughs> in Italy is another thing. Right, right. That's definitely another interesting challenge to explore. I mean, obviously, I've interviewed people from Muslim countries and uh, from 
countries where uh, there are, you know, certain established religious um, denomination or, or tradition that is kind of more or less oppressive. I didn't think of Italy that it would have such a uh, resistance, but I'll just begin to understand that perhaps there is some resistance uh, among the Catholic priests, maybe, or just uh, believers. Even, even believers, yeah. I mean, it seems to be my why, why would they have any resistance? Um, because it's not Catholic? Because there always been a big resistance on uh, on Oriental uh, philosophy. I would call philosophy for them Oriental yeah. religions. And uh, uh, it, the beginning of my studies, when I was studying Shiatsu, for example, Shiatsu was considered uh, from by some of the Catholics uh, um, technique in the body. And oh even the, even the, <laughs> the symbol of Tai Chi, the yin and yang, mm -hmm. was believed like a gate, uh, because it's always been translated like yin and yang, like uh, bad and good. Uh, really, they translated that way? Also. And well, that's yeah. really uh, not the opposite only, of what it's supposed only, to be. Yes, <laughs> not only um, uh, female and male, and uh, the day and the night, and so on and so forth. Yeah. But in one in one of the binomial, how do you say binomial? Uh, dualistic. Uh, dualistic. Yeah, one of the dualistic definition was also good and bad, young good and young bad. I've never heard that. Uh, for all was the years I've been studying because, yeah. Oriental philosophies, I never in, thought that those. Uh, in Catholicism, uh, a lot of times there's been. Uh, the fusing techniques that they were connected to. So some of them, my patients that I see, for example, would say, mm, but my minister, my uh, master in religion, uh, Christ, the priest, just uh, told me that uh, I shouldn't do this treatment because it's, it's, it's bad, it's dangerous for me, for my soul. Wow. Well, so, you know, I, I come from the former Soviet Union. And after the collapse of the empire, uh, the communist regime fell apart, but uh, it was the vacuum of conscience, so to speak. Um, communist belief, in a sense, was in the form of, of religion, or at least uh, some school of thought that people would follow. And then when communism was no more, uh, the Russian Orthodox Church actually stepped in and tried to become and actually effectively became a state religion and there was definitely some degree of resistance from the russian catholic and the ukrainian catholic sorry orthodox church so much so that i personally had some run-ins with orthodox christians but i didn't think that the catholic the catholic church would have same kind of uh, orthodox perspective, but I guess they all do the same thing. So what, what is your way of overcoming this type of prejudice? Um, what I'm trying to do in the last 20 years is to, um, to be a culture translator. 
so not only teaching Chinese medicine with the Chinese philosophy, but trying to talk the language of the person I have in front of me. So to adapt the practice and adapt, adapt the theory, or explain it in a way that could be uh, uh, closer to their daily life. And this is for the people that come for practicing. And the same with the um, medical doctors, for example, translating Western language or in practice um, uh, without losing, and this is most important for me, without losing the, the energy field, but translating it in a way that the people understand. Like, I don't know, Chi is, they still don't know how to, what, what's the best definition we were talking about in the Congress and in the meeting for, um, other professionists, and it, it's difficult to translate chi, but we can't avoid the concept of chi, or can't just uh, uh, import the concept of chi just because we're talking to Western doctors. So I never accept uh, to def the definition of qigong as body-mind technique, for example, because it's something that really import the concept of Qigong. And when they told me that in China, even in China now, they talk about breathing, they talk about oxygen instead of Qi. I understand because I live in China. And the new generations, they don't know Qi in China. The new generations they pass through all the cultural revolution and Mao and uh, they don't have the, the feeling and the understanding of what is spirituality and what is energy. It's not easy for them. They're learning again from outside. Mm -hmm. I would say, instead of having inside and feeling it with the right brain, right rabbit brain, they're learning again through the through comprehension, through left side of the brain. And it's like the foreigner of their own culture, in one sense. So uh, what I try to do in, in Italy is to keep the concept in uh, um, uh, complete anyway, I mean, comprehensive, uh, chi, the concept of chi, and uh, making them try it. So when they invite me for a, a project, like the, the current one or the hospital one, I have a, always a condition to accept the project. And the condition is that they do the first practice before the patients. They have to understand and to feel what is children, at least two or three lessons. The operators meaning teachers? Meaning, meaning the doctors, medical doctors in the hospital. So in the department, they, most of them, they try children with me uh, before I started with the patients. Mm -hmm. And the same for the coding project. I asked the psychotherapists and uh, offering them a free lesson, two free lessons, <coughs> just to feel, to experience what they're going to propose to the patients. Otherwise, they couldn't even propose in the right way. And it's always gymnastic or uh, slow movements or something nice and something um, uh, a kind exercise. So how do you say a kind of exercise or something gentle, gentle for <laughs> helping them. For, so. Well, uh, one of my friends, who obviously is a very left-brain individual, 
um, actually a well-known master here in, in the United States, Mark Johnson, uh, says T equals mc squared. <laughs> so basically energy is energy. Everything is made of it, and we just need to figure out how to wrap our mind around the fact that everything is energy. Yes. Now, when people say mind-body exercise or mind-body practices, I said, that's great. We understand mind and body. Some people even go as far as to accept that maybe these are two sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at one side of the organism, you see the mind, and the other side sees yeah. the body, like the heads and tails of the coin. And you say, look, that's great. Let's just not forget that we can pay attention not to the print on the side of the coin, but the essence of the coin, what is it made of? In this case, we're talking about energy. That's what keeps the mind and body together. So whether it's a mind-body exercise, the essence of the practice is actually paying attention to the energy yes. and learning how to work with it. Yeah, and this is the third element in the dualism. Well, the, the most important one. No? Yeah, the most important. <laughs> it's like in the Tai Chi uh, symbol of yin and yang. Uh, another famous master that is um, uh, Jeffrey Yen, I don't know if you know. Oh, yeah, I know Jeffrey. Yeah, and I studied and I translated for years for his lessons maker. Mm -hmm. And uh, he always said, uh, used to, everybody used to see Chinese medicine and the theory and the philosophy behind Chinese medicine as dualistic because of yin and yang. <laughs> but it's that line that separates and that you make yin transforming yang and so on and so forth. That is the most important element. Well, so oh, it's oh. the movement, the, trans the transformation, and that's the main concept. And the third, so Chinese medicine actually is, con is based on a, a trinity. I don't know how to call that. Uh, I, I, if you call it trinity, the Christians will love it. Yes, I don't know, huh? because <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> well, and this is really what uh, that whole concept of yin and yang is about, yes. is that there is no yin without yang, yes. there is no yang without yin. They transmute and transform yeah. into each other all the time. So that snapshot of yin and yang as a duality is just a, a, a snapshot of a, a constantly moving yes. and constantly transforming image. So it has to be a three-dimensional moving image rather than uh, just a flat static image yeah. to really represent the meaning of that particular principle. Nowadays, with computer technology, it must be really easy. We can just make this animated image and yes. use that as a logo. Yeah. Um, now, before we conclude our interview today, let me ask you if you have any particular advice or words of wisdom for our listeners and viewers? Uh, um, I don't know if I have the wisdom to give that kind of advice. <laughs> but it's, uh, as I define in Qigong, the way to back to spontaneity and to uh, our own nature. Uh, the first advice that comes to my mind is just to be 
to try to do what we are even if we don't like it because what we feel inside and what we really are uh, uh, is our treasure and can help us to get better as I tried it for a long time my shyness and my difficulties in communication at home as abroad but that has become a stimulation for me once I accepted like the identity in children and trying to find another identity with medical professions or other and just once I accepted what I am and doing the best for children for that people and that is so I think first of all we should use the practice to discover what we are instead of looking, looking for something else. Does that sound Thank you. Thank you. And also, I want to thank you once again for taking your time to share your stories and uh, your wisdom and expertise. And, uh... You have finished another episode of the talk show, The Secrets of Qigong Masters, that brings to you some of the top experts in Qigong, meditation, healing, and martial arts. Now, I invite you to visit qigongmasters.com and dive deeper into the teachings of our amazing guests by downloading their multimedia products and becoming a member of our international community of like-minded people. The show is also brought to you by Academy of Chidao, offering Qigong coaching programs that integrate the ancient energy arts with the modern methodology of coaching. If you struggle with chronic pain, suffer from too much stress, want to boost your performance, or seek spiritual awakening, please go to qigongcoaching.com. There, you can receive top-notch coaching as well as professional training to become a certified Qigong coach yourself. That's right. If you're dreaming of making a decent living, doing what you love, and making a difference in the lives of many people worldwide. Check out our programs that will help you transform your interest in energy arts into living your life in the flower.